Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello. I uh, I don't want to put everybody on a downer, but before we started recording tonight, I was reading this news story that says that one in five reptiles is threatened with extinction. No. And my first thought was... No. Oh, God. I hope it's the rare ones. (laughs) Right, because <laughs> like no one ever sees them anyway; they're rare. Oh yeah. What what difference would it make? I mean, probably some to some kind of ecosystem somewhere. But you know, we, we that, that aside, that aside, let's not think about biospheres and no. biodiversity and habitats. Let's let's just think about. I think if if David Attenborough already has them on film, <laughs> we we can see them. That's enough. That's how we would have seen them anyway. Yeah, if, yeah. If you can search for it at Google Images, and then if they're so rare that David Attenborough hasn't got footage, what does it matter anyway? It's a bit like if a if a tree falls in the woods, <laughs> it becomes philosophical, right? It doesn't exist if he hasn't recorded it. Yeah, I, I also think you know these these cameramen that you see at the end of David. You know when they do the making of, you see the cameramen at the end of David Attenborough documentaries. They have ten minutes at the end, right? That shows you how they filmed it. I just think, well, the, these guys, if if these rare species die out, then these guys will be able to spend more time with the families instead of waiting in a cranny for six months to see some <laughs> some kind of creature. They can they can go and be present husbands and fathers or friends or whatever it is. The kids will be glad of it. Yeah, unless they're bad parents. Oh, maybe the kids like them going away. Yeah. Any, anyway, um, let. let Take snakes, for example, right? Yeah, okay. Python. Mm-hmm. Boa constrictor. Mm-hmm. King cobra. Mm-hmm. Viper. Mm-hmm. Black mamba. Mm-hmm. Shall I keep going? Yep. Rattlesnake. Mm-hmm. Adder. Mm-hmm. Asp. Mm-hmm. Anaconda. Mm-hmm. Those snakes that come out of baskets when um, when somebody <laughs> plays a flute. A Are you doing this off the top of your head? Yeah. The Keep one going. from the the one from the Bible that got those people to eat that apple, Adam and Eve. Oh yeah. Those those are all the snakes you need. Grass. Can we have grass in there? Gra- okay, grass snake. Let's throw Thanks. in grass snake. Thanks. They'll they'll be lo- like the rarest snake in the world is. I googled this, a St. Lucia, a St. Okay. Lucia racer, it's called, actually. Right. There are fewer than 20 of them oh, in come existence. come on, come on. That is a lot of responsibility for 20 snakes to have, like, the 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 whole responsibility for the future of their species. <laughs> like, I can feel as a human being it's too much responsibility with climate change, and the seven and a half million of us <laughs> or something... Just let them let them die out. We need to see one. We can make it with CGI. We don't need. I've named all the all the mainstream snakes. We don't need the indie ones. No, I I do agree. Yeah. This um this this study was was based on 
um, an assessment of more than 10,000 species of reptiles. Do you not feel that... Okay, so one in five, that's 20%. Do do you not feel that 8,000 species of reptile would be fine? It's more than enough. (laughs) It seems like an awful lot. It is 8,000, yeah. yeah. I mean, I really... Do we need any more? No. I got very long-winded with that list of snakes and I wasn't even approaching the, the, the hundreds even. I mean, it's it would too, have got boring after a too while. Many. It's yeah. Too many. They need to pair it back a bit. Um, just stick to the main brands. Focus on them. <laughs> um, all right. I think we uh, may maybe lost you with that. <laughs> I'm talking to the listener as much as I'm talking to you there, Annabelle. <laughs> Did you see that? Uh, and and Robinson is leaving Countdown. Uh, and Countdown. No, yep. weakest link. Did she do Countdown? Yes. I didn't even know she did countdown. Well, this is kind of my point, really, because do you not feel like hosts are always leaving that show? Yeah. Because after Richard Whiteley died, there were some Dezes, I think Des Lyon yes, and Des O'Connor. Yes, yes. Then there was that guy off Sky Sports who I remember you and I being on the radio saying, I've never heard of him, and it's because neither of us are interested in sport. And it turns <laughs> yeah. out he's hugely famous. Jeff and someone. Then, yeah, Jeff and then Stelling. it was, uh, I think him off The Apprentice did it for a yes, bit, one of Nick, Nick Lord Hewer. Sugar's trusted lieutenants. And I think there's others in between. I mean, really? it seems like they can't keep a host on that show. What's and I've been thinking as to, well, I'll tell you what I think it is. Susie Dent. You don't, you don't think? What? All I'm saying is she's been in that no. dictionary corner forever. No. And these hosts keep coming and going. I mean, what's going on with her? I don't, I don't like to think it. She, you know, but yeah, you, don't think she, you don't think she's nasty, do you? Well, I think she's beloved. That's what I think. Well, I, I, I felt, I feel like I was one of the earliest people to, not to objectify her, sorry, but I was, <laughs> I was one of the earliest people to develop a crush on um Susie Dent. Do you think so? Yeah, 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 definitely. So I think, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, she went very mainstream and all of a sudden, like, um, she, uh, she, she did some kind of glow up and she was knocking about with celebrities. But prior to that, when she was literally a bookish lady from the um, Oxford University Press... I remember having my my eye on her before mm. anybody else. Yeah, mm. Mm. so I, I hope it's not her. I'm sure it's not. I just think that that show never got over um, Richard Whiteley dying. It was sad when he when he left this. It world. was sad, yeah. and I think it, I think like the analogy, the thing it's closest to, it's a bit like thinking about Jennifer Aniston after Brad Pitt. The BIM relationships. There's been there's been a marriage, but yeah, yeah. for some reason. It's just not the same, is it? Man, Robinson. I didn't have a clue. Yeah. I do think that Countdown is the perfect drifters quiz show. Because? Well, firstly, I think in those classic Richard Whiteley years, they they set a precedent with the banter between Richard Whiteley and Carol Vorderman, which every single interaction they ever had, and I think there was genuine affection between them, but every interaction was as stilted as me trying to talk to the man in the local news agents. (laughs) It was a bit awkward, yeah. A lot of goodwill, no lift off whatsoever at all. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Secondly, it's one of the few things you see on TV where a lot of it is just people working things out on paper. Right, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And then thirdly... I um, I think there's a type of person who is a contestant on Countdown. I think when we, if you think back to when we were young, when we were kids, mm. like if you ever saw British game show contestants in a way that isn't, I think, true of American game show contestants, they they were all like really terrified members of the public, looking like they were there <laughs> because somebody was pointing a gun at them <laughs> off camera. Yeah, There'd yeah. be a lot of you know staccato answers shaking hands, looking at their feet, mumbling. And then like on blind, when Blind Date came along every now and again, you would get a contestant whose personality was so big that they'd then be in the Sunday newspapers and maybe do a cameo on Noel Edmonds' late breakfast show because yeah. it was so unusual yeah, yeah. to see a member of the public with a big personality on a, on a game show or anything like that. Yeah, they'd become famous, wouldn't yes. they? Yeah. yeah. 
because most people most most of the time it was it wasn't like that and then something has happened imperceptibly over the course of the last 20 years where it's only real extroverts that go on those shows i don't know mm. if it's down to big brother and countdown is is the last bastion well i suppose there's a university challenge as well and probably um only connect but i never watch that cuz i just assume i'm not clever enough to watch it <laughs> But I think that that is why Countdown is the, the perfect quiz show for drifters. I'm going to have to go back to watching it again. Well, you've got the time. Hi. <laughs> All right, shall we hear from the drifters? Let's. First one is from Andy Reynard, who I think this might be his ninth email to us and we'll be hearing from him again in the podication section at the end so if you don't normally listen to that i recommend that you do this week wow um he must be very high up on the leaderboard then must be surely yeah. yeah andy writes some friends were getting married and the reception meal was at a posh restaurant our place names were at the end of a long table and as i took my seat i fretted about who would be joining us as i didn't know many people at this wedding Fortunately, I was sitting opposite my wife. After 20 years, I'm reasonably comfortable in her presence. But then we were joined by a family of four I'd not met before. Even worse, mum and dad sat two seats away from us and their two children, a girl of about nine and a boy of around 13, sat in between, separating my wife and I from the two other adults. Thus, I was faced with the prospect of trying to make small talk with kids or talking over or around them to talk to adults I didn't know. This did not bode well. As it went, we all filled in the survey that's on page one of the Small Talk Wedding Playbook. Names, where you'd travel from, how you knew the happy couple. But then conversation quickly began to dry up. It didn't help that the two adults amongst our new acquaintances kept breaking off to talk to the people on their other side, which oh. left us with the option of talking to the kids or just ignoring them. All that would pop into my head was to ask what their favourite subject was at school. <laughs> I hated myself for having the thought, knowing that the kids would be internally rolling their eyes for the predictability <laughs> of the question. Who's your favourite Harry Potter character? What do you want to be when you grow up? How would I manage to raise a son to the age of 12 and be so inept at talking to other people's kids? Fortunately, my wife was able to get something going with them. I found myself zoning out. I'd noticed that this boy sitting beside me had the filthiest ear. There was a semicircle of dried blood around the rim that looked like it had been there for some considerable time. I tried to focus on something else, but the dirty ear kept drawing my eyes like it had them on a line, like it had my line of vision on a string. The discussion my wife was having with the nine-year-old girl about swimming lessons was not offering sufficient distraction. I was bored and uncomfortable. Should I be striking up a rapport with the boy? He was about the same age as my son. I should be able to find something to talk about, but every time I turned my head 20 degrees in his direction, I could only see and think one thing. Dirty year, dirty year, (laughs) dirty year. I turned away from him, willing myself to melt into my surroundings and become invisible. I looked desperately for another diversion. I was sitting next to a window that was set in a large stone recess that looked out onto the street. As part of the window display, there was a plate on a stand. It appeared to have some writing on it, like it was commemorating something. I couldn't help wondering what it said. Suddenly, I was fascinated by this plate, as the alternative was to accept that I was currently in a silent standoff with a teenage boy whose dirty (laughs) ear was the only thing I could see when I glanced at him. The restaurant staff probably wouldn't be happy with me handling their ornaments, but they were busy rushing around doing their jobs, so I was confident they would be too occupied to notice me interfering with their window display. I reached over to pick up the plate from its stand and was just about to turn it around to see what it said when the plate slipped from my fingers and dropped onto the hard stone of the windowsill. Amazingly, it didn't break into a thousand pieces. This relief, however, was upset by the fact that it did make the loudest clang imaginable. The raucous hubbub of the restaurant immediately stopped dead, just like when the doctor from London walks into the slaughtered lamb in American Werewolf in London. (laughs) I'd say there was utter silence, but the plate was helpfully spinning away on the stone. That was the only sound you could hear. 
I reached out for it again and managed to get it properly in my grasp this time. Now there was complete silence, at least for a couple of seconds, as every guest and member of staff turned to look at me in my moment of Mr Beanness. I half expected a cheer to go up like when you dropped your tray of food in the dining hall at school. But no, everyone fortunately soon went back to their conversations. Though I couldn't help thinking there were a couple of people giving me a pitying shake of the head. (laughs) Hang on, one of those people was my wife. (laughs) If I could have just placed the plate back carefully in position that that had been at the end of the matter, I could have quickly moved on from the embarrassment. But I now saw that a waiter was marching over to me with a look in his eye that said, idiot at two o'clock, disarm and neutralise. Sir? May I have the plate, please? He said in a soft French accent. It's okay. I can just put it back. Sorry, sir. The plate. (laughs) I had no choice but to hand it over like a naughty schoolboy being forced to turn his pockets in the headmaster's office. I was at the children's table, but it was the only... (laughs) But it was only the man in his late 40s who was being scolded in front of the class. (laughs) At least I got to see what was written on the plate before he took it off me and hurried it away to put it somewhere safe, out of the reach of butterfinger disaster zones like me. It seemed that I dropped this plate in a Michelin star restaurant. Brilliant. (gasps) I went back to fantasising about getting the boy in a headlock and cleaning his ear. (laughs) Oh, that was tremendous. Um... I really loved what he said about feeling reasonably comfortable in his wife's presence after 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> reasonably. I just, uh, like any any occasion like that, I just want to use Sarah as a, a, a conversational human shield. That's why it's so awful when you go to a wedding and you're separated from your partner. Like oh, they, the want, they want you the to worst. be able to talk to everyone else. No, but that's yeah. not what I want. I wish a lot of the time that I had married somebody from a from another country, but a non-English speaking country, and then moved there, but never learned the language, and everything would have to be translated to me. Oh, and you could just sit there and yeah, and, and, and eventually they give up anyway, so they ignore you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's not it's not too late. <laughs> Got one more email? Oh yeah, go for it. Yeah, this is from Tim Wood. Oh, Tim Wood. Yeah. I've recently started driving lessons again, a mere six years after failing my test due to undue hesitation, an incident which involved me timidly waiting behind a bin lorry for 10 minutes as it was on a slight bend (laughs) and I was worried I wasn't meant to overtake it. After about five minutes, it became apparent due to the queue of traffic forming behind me that I probably should have overtaken it. But by that point, I felt I committed to waiting it out. So just stayed there until people started honking. I began lessons again in the hopes that maybe I could put some of this drifterishness awkwardness behind me. However, I'm now three lessons in and whilst getting into the car at the start of the lesson last week, I somehow managed to trap my head in the door as it swung shut when I closed it. (laughs) Thankfully, how is that even possible? Thankfully, I adopted the port protocol and my instructor didn't say anything, as I'm not sure it's a great display of competence if you can't even enter the vehicle safely without injuring yourself. <laughs> the instructor adopted the port protocol yes, as well then. Yes, That's amazing. Instead, I proceeded to start the lesson with mild bruising to both head and pride and a nagging voice in my head saying, what if it's concussion and you black out behind the wheel? I wonder how other drifters cope with driving lessons. Being in a confined space trying to make polite small talk with a stranger is hard oh. enough without hurtling around in a big metal box on wheels. Oh, God, when you, <laughs> when you put it like that, it's a wonder anyone does it. Oh, great. Um, how are we doing, by the way? How is our inbox situation? It's trickling in nicely, but I always want more. Okay. So uh, we'd love to hear from you, please. I wonder if driving lessons is a potential... I'm sure, I'm sure. And, um, you know, being stuck on a table at a wedding feels like that should yield stuff for us as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please send us an email. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle. Yes. Let's have another way in which you're not a fully functioning adult. All the things that I never get right the first time. First one, putting a sheet on a bed. I always, first time round, always, always end up putting the long side of the sheet on the short end of the mattress. Yeah. 
which I always only discover when I then try to put the short side of the sheet onto the long end of the mattress. Every time. I know. I wish I had a square bed. <laughs> That's the solution. That's exactly the solution. Or a round bed. Or a round, yes. That, you know, nice. I think it's to be too depraved. Do you think round bed means depraved? You only ever see it in a sort of, in that kind of context, don't you? Yeah, yeah. A lot of silk as well, silk and satin. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. not. It's the bed of a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel that putting the sheet on, at best, it should be 50-50, whether I get it right first time. And really, the odds should be much more in my favour as the long side is nearly one and a half times longer. Like, why can't I see it's too long for the mm. short end? And putting on the bed sheets is already one of the most Herculean tasks. The and worst. It's, and it's the one that I only ever do right before bed at night when it absolutely has to be done. Otherwise, I'd be sleeping on a bare mattress with a bare duvet. And that's a bit too train spotting the film, not the hobby, <laughs> even for me. Could you do that? Could you think I'm not going to bother tonight? Oh, no, I'll tell you who can do it. It's Sarah, because like, often I'll snore <laughs> and she'll come up and sleep in the loft. On the, I'm looking at it now, like the sofa bed. Yeah. And, but she won't put a sheet on it. So the, the fabric is kind of rough. Like <gasps> it's a very durable fabric. And she'll sleep on that. I can't sleep under um, a duvet with no duvet. Gets, ugh, oh, no, absolutely we're, not, no. Well, exactly. And Tom, I think Tom definitely could. If it was late at mm. night and he hadn't put them back on again, he would think, ah, oh, never mind. Yeah, seriously. It, she could sleep in, on sandpaper. yeah i will be the same there i couldn't bear to do that and i know it's pretty disgusting remember when i lived in poland with no washing machine and in a town with no laundrette and hand washing and drying my bedding in winter was just too impossible so i didn't do it for six months while that was a bit disgusting at least i didn't face the regular frustration of always getting the sheet wrong what i keep meaning to do is to get a pen yeah you t- you're getting when you were living in Poland with no access to a washing machine mixed up with when you lived in Bethnal Green. No. When I first knew you. No. You told me that you only wash no. your sheets every six months then. No, no. Honestly, no, you're wrong. You <laughs> misremembered that. Was, no, honestly. It was only in Poland when there was no washing machine. Or I think you got into the habit. I mean, I have to. How often do you do yours? I bet you do it every two weeks, don't you? Uh, our sheets are washed we- weekly. Well, weekly? Yeah. You'll notice how I phrase that answer. Yeah, you ask the question: How often do you do yours? Use the passive tense. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In that you're very passive in this. (laughs) I um, I I got an advert on yeah, I got an advert on Instagram a few weeks ago. I think I told you about it for um an app, you know, some kind of thing where they take the pain out of washing your sheets. They drop you new ones off every week and take the old ones away, and um, and then there are a bunch of caveats about how much blood a sheet could have on oh it before it's unacceptable oh which God. but but aside from that you, you said this thing to me which a great business idea is is one that solves a problem yeah that doesn't solve the problem because the problem is what you're describing it's not the washing of the sheets yeah, yeah, it's yeah, putting yeah. the sheets and the duvet cover back on again that is just yeah. awful yeah 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 they need to come around and also put them back on the bed yes. for you yes and then they've got a good business model yeah even if they've got this sort of weird uh uh, um, you know this this weird threshold for the the amount you can menstruate. Oh my god! What what do you think? Where's the line, and that it starts getting disgusting, and that, that that you haven't changed your bedding? What what do you think is? Oh no, you've gone too long now. I don't know. Probably a couple of weeks, right? I know you think it's six months, but I don't think it's six months. I don't. I don't. I think when it starts to smell, that's what it, that's what. I'm, no, I think. I think monthly's all right, isn't it? Monthly? I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it's better. Maybe it'd be better. Maybe, like, I always say, um, I remember being on an open bus tour of Edinburgh and finding out that Mary Queen of Scots was considered extremely hygienic because she bathed twice a year. Twice, right. Yeah. Mm. Now, I mean, admittedly, there's terrible hygiene, people dying of plagues. Mm. All kinds of lesions, infection. So I don't, I don't know if really taking our cue from no. um the middle ages is really the the thing no, but no no anyway have we become derailed here very much so yeah. what i keep meaning to do is to get a pen and label the long end and the short end of the bed sheet like right on it long end and short end but i know that i'd get it wrong first time then i'd have to cross it out and it just make this terrible mess it sounds very aesthetically pleasing as well <laughs> some biro writing on my bed sheet like, I'd, I'd use cricket permanent. writing left and right on his wellies <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, let's go on to the next one. Okay. I've seen this one mentioned before, so I know I'm not alone in this, but opening a medicine packet and never getting it at the end without the instruction, no, always getting it with the instruction leaflet tucked in that end. Oh, the worst. Yeah, yeah, Always. Yeah. I, ne- yeah. I never get that right first time. No, me either. And what's most annoying about this is how annoyed I get, either having to remove the instructions to get to the medicine or try again and use the other end. Like, it's not really eating into my day the way that putting on bedding is. It's like maybe taking up a couple of seconds, but I'm filled with <laughs> no, rage no, when I get it No, it is wrong. very annoying. I think all medicine should come in the same size box that television's come in and it should have all the instructions written on the outside of the box. <laughs> Well, there's the solution. Yeah. <laughs> there are some other problems I can think of, but we won't go into those now. Okay. Just thinking about those boxes that Tally's coming up. Here's something I've noticed about myself: mm. is I don't think of myself as an optimist. However, the amount of times I think I probably can open that parcel without scissors. Right. Oh, yes, me too. Yeah, me too. And then you, you're hacking away in it, and then you have to yeah, eventually yeah, yeah. you have to go and get the yeah. scissors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is the third one, and it's pronouncing a certain word. It's spelt P-O-L-L-I-N-G, as in the station where you go to vote. Now, it's either polling or polling, Mm. and I can never remember which one is right. And I said the word this week to a neighbor because, anyway, I won't bore you as to why I said it. But I said it, and she gave me a funny look, and I knew I'd got it wrong. What if she's been saying it wrong and you'd said it the right way? I I doubt, I doubt. The thing is, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. I still don't know which one is right. I remember once I did a thing on the old radio station we did about polling polling stations. So I was saying the word a lot. It's the other one. It's the other one. Is it? Okay, wrongly. And you didn't mention it until at the very end. And later that night, my boyfriend said he'd been coming back from a job in a car with a colleague and they'd been listening. And every time I said, polling he died a bit more how were you saying it polling i can't remember the oh wrong God. one what's the wrong one polling polling, it's polling. yeah I was like polling it's almost enough to make me want to dispense with the vote and live in a dictatorship <laughs> okay i just need to cough <coughs> sorry that's all right last thing that i can't get right first time temperature of bath water i run a bath for my son I think this is going to sound disgusting now. How how, how often should my son bath? Um, twice a year if you want to be considered okay. extremely hygienic. Every few nights I run the bath. This is the process. I've got two taps, one hot, one cold, obviously. Yeah. I run the hot and cold tap simultaneously for a bit. Is it a mixer? No. I hate this country. Oh, no, sometimes. it is a mixer. It is a mixer. Okay, okay. Is it a mixer? It is a mixer. It is a mixer. I just don't understand why we have taps that aren't mixer taps. Oh, yeah, it's weird. No, it's definitely yeah. a mixer. Yeah. So I run it for a bit simultaneously. Then I test it. It's too hot. So I run the cold tap on its own. I leave it too long. It's now too cold. I let some water out now. Otherwise, it's going to take forever to warm up. I accidentally let too much out. So I add some hot. <laughs> gets too hot again. Repeat the whole process a few times more. Finally, it's the right depth and temperature. And then my son decides he doesn't want a bath. <laughs> every time. It's the process exactly every time. I mean, you are, you're just, discri- so has he never had a bath then? No. <laughs> twice, <laughs> twice a year. You said that was all right, right? <laughs> I do think you're just describing how every single bath I've ever run for myself. Oh, really? Okay. I feel better yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, I've never had a bath. temperature so. guns. <laughs> guns? Yeah, that infrared temperature gun. Oh my God. You can use that in the bath. Yeah. Although probably, yeah. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to press pause on this conversation because okay. the amount of time I spend on the other podcast yeah. talking about water temperature. Uh, okay, okay. I, I don't want to. I don't want to get into it on here. Okay, fine, fine. It fine. is just. I mean, you wouldn't believe it, and I and that th- this is um, this podcast is a conversation. That one's edited. You wouldn't. Be, anybody who's listened to it, they'll be very familiar with what I'm talking about. Right. And that's just the stuff that gets left in. A and, lot of the talk about water temperature gets edited out, and it's to do with baths. No, it's to do with swimming. Okay. <laughs> Ed is obsessed okay. with uh, cold water swimming. Uh, and he's bought a um, okay, okay, okay. a little temperature gun. <laughs> but he's not sure if it's as accurate as the one that the lifeguard has that dangles on a piece of string. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. And, the, um, you know, if, if you were to draw a pie chart of the bits of that podcast that are just conversation. Right, I mean, right. 
it would it would be almost entirely at this point water temperature. <laughs> well, it's a good advert for it. It's yeah, reason so if you've to be never, cheerful. Never heard it. Give it a listen if that sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It was Sarah's birthday yesterday. Mm, yes. Do you want to know what I got her? I'd love to know. I got her one of those um, back massager gun things. Oh, tell me more. I don't know about these things. Do you not? No. Um, why I don't you? <laughs> well, I, I, they're very, very popular these days. Right. Um, and I've been oblivious to the rise in popularity because I heard about them or, or I saw them in a department store maybe a couple of years ago. And I just assumed that they were intimate pleasure devices for people who were too embarrassed to go into an Ann Summers okay. and, and buy a legit one. Um, and then a few weeks ago, we were in a shop and I, I tried one on Sarah's back. And she, first of all, I mean, she just loved it. And then secondly, you know, having done that, you know, I now know that nobody would want it anywhere near their genitalia through fear uh, of bruising. It's very okay. pneumatic in the way it operates and and I managed to get one that was um heavily reduced. Okay. Do you and, have to can I ask a question about it? Do you yes, have yes, to yes. can you use it yourself or do you need someone to do, use it for you? No, you can use it yourself. I wouldn't have bought it otherwise. <laughs> We're not one of those couples. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that way. I was thinking for myself, but okay, great. Good. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um I I think she would like really to be with a man who could help her with some of the knots in her back or right, yeah. you know when her feet feel tense, but I've got no strength in my fingers or anywhere in my body really. Okay. Okay. I'm very puny. Um yeah, so the, so the one I bought, bought was very heavily reduced because um, they can get quite expensive. Uh, quite expensive, and I asked the man in the shop why, and he said it was because the box was slightly damaged and didn't have any cellophane on it. Okay. Which, if if you, I mean, I don't want to get into specifics of money, but I mean, it was a considerable amount of money. The reduction. I thought this is brilliant. Anyway, so I um I brought it home, plugged it in to charge it up once you unwrapped it, and uh, it doesn't work. So now I have oh, to go through the admin of taking no. it back. Yeah, <laughs> that's why it's so cheap. I know. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, I hate taking things back so much. The amount feel... of things. Yeah, the amount of things that I've just. Like bought a new one, which is terrible and wasteful because I don't want to get into it with somebody. Really? This, yeah, but this is just beyond that amount of money. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so her birthday, we're recording. Hold this on a minute. This means you have to buy full price now. One, <laughs> like you'll have to. No, no, I am going to take it back. I want uh, what I really want is for her to say that. Oh, do you know what? I'll take it back. But you shouldn't be giving somebody admin. I just no. think when you're giving someone a present, don't give them admin of any kind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I've slowly even come to the the decision that i don't want to give people like nice restaurant vouchers or anything like that anymore because they usually have an expiry date on them and you're giving somebody the admin of going to a restaurant within a time frame (laughs) because i I get bothers most people (laughs) well let me tell you something it bothers me when i I know they haven't yet used it i I can feel the 12 12 months counting down yeah (laughs) in your diary (laughs) crossing off each day they haven't been yet they haven't been yet (laughs) yeah yeah um so yeah her birthday was like yesterday which was a bank holiday Mm. so jean was off school so what i did was i um bought loads of stuff for a picnic and then planned this day to go to the most beautiful bluebell woods accessible by public transport from london so i had had to research all that and that's what we did lovely didn't go great Oh no! What happened? 
Well, firstly, Gene acted up all the way there, oh, like God, saying yeah. that he felt travel sick. Oh. And like the, I thought the reason he's doing this is because a while ago I mentioned the phrase travel sick. It's in his head. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, whenever we're either in or on any kind of vehicle, he keeps saying he's travel sick, which is just exhausting. Right. <laughs> okay. okay. Which has given me some kind of insight into what it must be like to be around me because whenever I hear of any kind of ailment, I then become <laughs> convinced that I have it. <laughs> anyway, so, so then we get to these Bluebell Woods and it's not as magic. Like the, the, the reaction from, I mean, Sarah, so, so Gina's already riding my last nerve with this travel sickness. And then Sarah isn't visibly bowled over by these bluebell woods. You know, when you know somebody well enough to just know Mm-mm. that some things, that they're a bit underwhelmed, but they don't want to say so. Yeah, yeah. So then I started, like, badgering her to tell me what was wrong. Oh, no, no. And she cracked under, um, under cross-examination. <laughs> and... In her mind, she had mixed up bluebell woods with, you know, those photographs of endless lavender fields in Provence. Oh, no. So I think she was a bit disappointed. Oh, no. <laughs> which which oh. I get, like a bluebell wood. Oh, beautiful. But if you're expecting lavender fields. They smell a bit nicer. And I think, you know, perhaps look a bit more spectacular. Bluebell woods are spectacular, but maybe mm. in a slightly, slightly more understated way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and also I messed my timings up. So because there were various um, uh, uh, rail track repairs and things like that happening on the bank holiday, it took us nearly two hours each way. Oh, God. Which then meant um, we could only stay there for just over an hour. You had an hour there? That's nothing. Yeah, yeah Did you have I know. time to eat your picnic? I mean, uh, yes, although... Bit of rush. You know, yeah, in, in a rush, yeah. And then, um, <laughs> the and worst then day Jean, ever. And then Gene complained that he felt travel sick all the way home. Oh, no. I mean, that sounds like a very, very normal bank holiday to me. But maybe not the, the best birthday. Well, in the evening, we went to see um, the revival of Cabaret. Oh, nice. Which um, it's had incredible reviews. There's been a cast change. It had Eddie Redmayne and Jesse Buckley in it up oh, until somewhat recently. I love her. Um, and now it's some um, some really good actors who... You wouldn't necessarily know the names of if you're not uh, into West End theatre, right? Which I'm not, but that's not to say they weren't brilliant. But mm. um, but it's had like really great reviews, and and we arrived, and straight away I was worried that it was going to be too immersive for me. Oh, really? Why? You, you don't go in through the foyer of the theatre; you go in through like a stage door, and then they've made all these corridors that you have to go through, oh. look like um, a nightclub in Berlin in the. Oh. 1930s and like there's musicians wandering around with like accordions and fiddles and there's contortionists hanging from the ceiling and it was spectacular but as I'm doing all that I'm just like worried that somebody's going to interact with me in character and like beckon me over and say <laughs> willkommen or something like that and, and then I'd have to speak to them as, as if they were that person which yeah, would be yeah. the, the worst mm-hmm. um so all that felt a bit like, and I think Cabaret generally, which I love the film, and it, it was really brilliant, the, the um, stage production of it. But I think like that world just feels like a party that I would never want to go to. Right. Which is sort of true of any party, mm-hmm. but especially this. You know, like it's the sort of thing I expected to go around a corner and see somebody nonchalantly looking through opera gra- uh, opera glasses at naked figures writhing. You know, that <laughs> oh, that type of party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Here's the thing I think about like the underground world of fabulous freaks and creative people living sort of like wild alternative lifestyles. I'm glad it exists, but I just want to give it a wide berth. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're glad it exists for them, but you don't yeah. want any part of and it. and for the culture. Right. Oh, if it's going to filter through to, um, say, a music video or some interior design, fantastic. I'm sure mm-hmm. like, a lot of great ideas are born in the un- underground, but <laughs> I, just, I just don't – I need to give it – I don't belong in it myself. You like the overground, don't you? I do. I think mm. if, 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 if I can't be there in some combination of – 
corduroy and casual <laughs> knitwear. It's prob- probably not for me. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't want to be in an environment where, you know, where people are wearing those face masks with little beaks on them and maybe some feathers. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. COVID face masks I'm fine with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the little but, beaks. Yes, no yes, yeah. yeah. Anyway, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm relieved to say there was there's uh, no interaction. The show oh, was incredible. It was one of the best things I've seen on the stage. Oh, really? And then at the interval, I looked at my phone and our friend who was babysitting had sent about 19 texts. Gene had been throwing up. It turned out oh, it wasn't travel sickness. It's no, a stomach, stomach no. bug. Yeah. So it started that? Oh, no. Yeah. So he'd been oh. feeling poorly all day. And oh, I'd been no. treating him like he was acting up because he'd heard the phrase travel sick which i I now feel terrible about um i mean it just ruined the second half who stayed (laughs) yeah i mean i'd I'd paid for my ice cream yeah yeah, of course yeah of course yeah yeah. it was mint chocolate chip which i thought wasn't very freaky freaky or alternative or anything like that it's not like it was like rubber and semen flavored ice cream (laughs) oh god (laughs) is that a good business idea no. Is that solving a no. problem no one's thought no. of? No, 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 no one has that problem. Don't worry about it. All right, quandary corner at the Glatt Clinic here in Problematic. Annabelle. First one's from Joe Cheeseman. Jeff Hi there, Cheeseman. Jeff and Annabelle. A colleague of mine has been saying a common phrase incorrectly. He will often say, I resemble that remark, which I'm pretty sure he means I resent that remark. I suppose there is a chance that he does indeed intend to say that he resembles something, but he doesn't strike me as a self-deprecating person in the way that I am. And he always uses a tone that jokingly conveys resentment. I do know that it shouldn't bother me as much as it does, but it grates on me a little each time he says it. What's more, he's in his mid-60s and I don't feel like it would be socially acceptable to correct him on something he's quite possibly been saying his whole life. I had toyed with the idea of saying that I resent remarks made about me, but I just don't. I welcome the criticism and all too often agree that something is probably my fault, even when it clearly isn't. (laughs) Then again, what if I'm wrong? What if the phrase actually is, I resemble that remark and I've just misheard it for the past three decades. (laughs) As I'm writing this, I'm flooded with the stress of imagined scenarios where I say the phrase the wrong way. People give me a look and then I realise that it's time to move to the middle of nowhere and live like a hermit, repeatedly saying phrases incorrectly at passers-by to ward them away. I suppose what I'm really asking is, what shall I do and am I right? Oh, well, I feel like we we could even like draw on this episode for this because when I corrected you earlier, when mm. you were saying polling instead of polling, mm. how did, did, did I do that sensitively? Yeah. And how did that, so what is the key to being corrected and it feeling sensitive? Well, I, well, I, I mean, I, I think it's different because I are. I kind of asked you. Oh yeah, yeah. It was solicited. It yeah. didn't make a difference. I mean, I I would wait for him to say so, something jokey and then say I resent that remark and and not soon after he said it mm-hmm. and then you know think I've given you the building blocks here. Yeah, but he'll just think. I think that yeah. I think that's the only way to do it. Maybe you could because you write a book called I resent that remark. <laughs> And then have it published and then to give him a copy. Because I think otherwise he'll think you're getting it wrong. But if he sees it on a book, he'll be like, oh, it really is. It really is that. It was a bit extreme. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just... Do you want to be around somebody who's so full of resentment? Like if yeah. this is coming up yeah. often, that's a lot of resentment. Well, why are people making these resentful remarks as well to him? I think maybe going to a new workplace. It sounds like <laughs> there's a lot of bullying going on. <laughs> Oh, you, you, what what it sounds like is it's somebody who's got a jokey response to something, mm. but then you know during banter, mm. but they but they don't know the actual phrase. Mm. I think Sarah used to have a friend who thought touche meant oh that's funny, so someone would make a joke and they go <laughs> touche. Oh no, no. <laughs> I mean, we've all. I'm sure I've got ones like that. I'm sure we've all. I think there's one that I said wrong for years. No rest for the wicked. Or something instead of wicked. Which one is well, it? Well, you used to say wicked. Wicked, yeah. And it's oh, wicked, God, isn't it? Hell. I know. Yeah. yeah. 
I think um, event, I think eventually you see it written down. I think it's only yeah. when you see it written down that it really hits home. It's like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. maybe the book idea is quite a good idea. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Um, get, it, get it put on a T-shirt. What, no rest for the wicked? No, I resent, I resent that remark. Get a T-shirt resent, made up, like a jokey T-shirt. Oh, you'd, oh, you'd get the right version yeah, put on a T-shirt. Yeah, say, oh, Paul, whatever his name is. Paul, you're always saying this. I made this for like, oh, Paul, this Paul's catchphrase, like. Yeah, and then be like, "That's good. He is good, good, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, do that, do that, yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, right. Um, all right. That's that. Next one. This is from Chief Governor Isabel. So this journey happened in the mid. Annabelle, I've got to be honest about something. Yeah, go on. I've been telling you all the episode that it's um, polling and not polling, and it's polling. And I thought it was fine, but then when I let you think it was no rest for the wicked instead of wicked, I oh, think it's, it's too cruel, and I feel bad about it. Well, so it is it is wicked? It's wicked, yeah. Oh, it's not wicked. It, no. Oh God! Oh, God. What's it's biblical. It's a biblical phrase. Like wicked. With me? Why would it be wicked? Well, it's there in the cricket and the cricket game is going yeah. so well, it keeps getting knocked off. Well, no, that's exactly how I imagined it. Like the wicket doesn't ever yeah, get no, a rest. It's, it's, it's always wicked. Getting... It's from, think Bible, <gasps> Old Testament. Well, I don't even know if it's Old Testament or New Testament. I don't know much about Bibles. But... I've just realised something. I, and I'm not just saying this. Yeah. I think that I always used to think it was no you, no rest for the wicket. And then I found out it was wicked. I right, and know. it is wicked. I, don't know. I feel bad. You're messing I with my head. <laughs> I know, and 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 similarly, I now feel bad for um, <laughs> pretending that it's um, polling. That does, it makes no difference because I'm not going to remember whatever you've said is the right one. No, no, no. I'll help you. Here's, here's how I'm going to help you remember it. Yeah. Um, if somebody does research to find out what members of the public think about something, it is an opinion poll. Right, and it's 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 the polling. same word. Polling. No, it's the same word. Polling. It's not an opinion poll, is it? It's an opinion poll. Okay, opinion. So poll. it's polling, polling, an opinion poll. That's not going to stick. But I hope no, no rest for the wicked does. <laughs> it will. It will. Okay, won't. but I'm sorry. <sighs> I was finding myself funny, like um, telling you the wrong thing, and then I felt really bad about it. Okay, well, thank you. Okay. I don't know whether to trust you or not, but uh, no, I promise you. you on on I my promise. life, I've now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. good, good, good. I won't remember anyway. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh God. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Yeah. This is from Chief Governor Isabel. So this journey happened in the midst of one of the between lockdown periods of last year. COVID was still around, still causing problems and travelling by train across the country to see my sister and her family felt a bit risky, but I decided to go for it as I hadn't seen them for ages. And I usually love a nice, relaxing train journey. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out that way. My journey was a nightmare right from the moment I arrived at the station to discover that my first train was cancelled due to lack of staff. The next one wasn't for an hour and that meant I missed my connecting train. On top of that, the train I did get was held up by almost an hour due to signal failure. Definitely not the nice relaxing train journey I had planned. Now, one of the biggest stresses to emerge from the misconnection was the loss of my reserve seat. The train was predictably packed. Most people were wearing masks as it was still compulsory, but it still felt strangely unnerving to be surrounded at close contact by quite so many strangers. I felt very lucky today to find a seat next to someone similarly masked and was positively smug when people started standing in the aisles and between the carriages. All was well. I was as relaxed as I could be in such a hotbed of germs, knowing that I was now several hours later than I promised my sister. It was to get worse. As the journey progressed, more people got off the train than got on until eventually the seat in front of me became free. It was at this stage that I started to panic. What should I do? Should I take advantage of the potential social distancing now present due to the free seats in front? Or would that be rude to the perfectly inoffensive woman I was sitting next to? Would she think? What would she think if I just stood up and left? She was ex- actually an excellent seat buddy for a drifter. Said of course and smiles when I asked if I could sit there and then never spoke again. Perfect, right? I didn't want her to think she'd done anything wrong by moving away from her. She didn't eat smelly food, wasn't listening to music or watching a film without headphones. And I was perfectly comfortable sitting next to her. But what if she wanted me to move? We were in a pandemic after all. Maybe she could see the space in front and was exasperated by the woman next to her, steadfastly refusing to move and give her some space. So maybe I should move. But then an even worse thought hit me. What if I did move, only to have someone get on at the next stop and then come and sit next to me? I had no idea what to do and could feel myself becoming more and more stressed about the whole conundrum. 
Needless to say, I spent the rest of the journey agonising about it before the relief of my destination appeared. Intruder to fashion, I had left the internal torture of the dilemma cripple me into complete inertia and ended up staying sat where I was. My question is, what should I have done? Any help would be very appreciated. Well, there are two factors to this, aren't there? There's, there's what should you have done and there's how should you have handled it with the other passenger if you'd done something different. Okay. Okay. So what should you have done? It's, it's this whole better, better the devil you know right. yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. stick there or do you move? And I think that is very contingent as on where exactly in the journey you were. Mm-hmm. Because you can, I think you can gauge these things, although the trains are a horror show at the moment, but you can kind of gauge um, which the big, the big, big hitter stations are for people uh, uh, embarking and disembarking, right? Mm-hmm. So if you were towards the end of your journey, or maybe even more than halfway, no brainer, you move. We'll come on to how you do that in a minute. Okay. Um, if you were coming from somewhere a bit podunk and you were about to go through a major urban centre or some kind of, um, oh, God, I've lost the word. What's it called when a station is like crew, where lots of lines converge? A connecting and, station. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like there's a better a word. travel hub? No. Yeah, well, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, um, then maybe you want to stay where you are okay. until you after that connecting hub because you know that this person knows how to behave on a train yep, yep. and you might not be so lucky okay. with this person, right? Yeah. In yep, terms okay. of how you handle it with her, the answer is in the question. You just say, oh, well, I'll give you a bit more space. Like it's this great act of altruism. Uh, and so you're, you explain, you're, not, you're not leaving her wondering why you left. You're explaining no. it. Yeah, yeah. You're like also that. showing that you're a thoughtful... I've, I've done this, you see. You're trying to show that you're a thoughtful person and you're not leaving mm, mm. anything in their brain that it could be about them. Um, you're just saying, yes, I'll give you a yes, bit more space. Yes. Really, what you're saying is, I want more space. And they know yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, you know you're that. You're making it about but them. But you seem very yeah. kind yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in the moment of saying it, I think. Great. I knew you'd be good at this. You're very good on train stuff. Excellent. I've got nothing to add. <laughs> And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. Please send us your quandary for Quandary Corner if you want to know social etiquette in any given situation. Also, your stories, uh, any stories of uh, uh, poor interaction with other humans. But um, this week, we, uh, we we will also specifically throw out, based on the stories, um, driving lessons or weddings, strangers at weddings. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took our photos. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. And, uh, of course, I'll finish this week by saying, Sir, the plate. And he's back, Andy Reynard, who says, Hello, Annabelle and Jeff. Hello. Hello. I wondered if you would be willing to give a podication to the thing in my life that has been acting as an invaluable crutch for the last couple of years. I'm talking about my book, Balls to L, sorry, Balls to MS, which is now available to order or to download on Amazon. Some might see this as a shameless attempt at self-promotion, but as you, Annabelle, have had a hand in helping the book emerge into the world, I am sure you'll agree it's completely valid. When I contacted you out of the blue and asked you if you'd join me in the delivery room, i.e. read an early draft, you agreed to this unsolicited request and hovered in the corner of that delivery room, (laughs) occasionally (laughs) shouting encouragement like, You're doing great! Some people might think this is a little weird, a stranger asking someone to join them in the delivery room as they give birth, but 
It's an analogy, right? Admittedly, a rather convoluted one. But please, (laughs) just go with it. Anyway, that encouragement helped me to finish giving birth. I mean, finish the book. And you were even prepared to provide an endorsement for the front cover. So you've already done plenty, but a podication on top would be a much appreciated bonus. The book, you see, has helped me keep ploughing on, living not only as a drifter, but as a man who, as the title Balls to MS suggests, had multiple sclerosis. In fact, as you know, I've had MS for 20 years, which is essentially what the book is about. But for the benefit of anyone listening, it's not a misery memoir. Rather, it is an entertaining, irreverent account of how the condition has gradually impinged on my life. As you suggest on the cover, there are episodes that are moving, but I've always looked for the humour in the situations in which I found myself. The best way I can describe the story is to say it's a deep dive into the mind of a drifter as he faces up to life when some pretty big obstacles are thrown his way. Indeed, It was having a number of stories read out on the podcast that helped me finally find my voice after 20 years of writing on and off. There is more than one chapter that could be a drifter story on the show itself. That's great. I want to read this now. Mm, It's it's very, very good. I'm going to... um, I'm going to... I'll tell you what, I was saying I'm going to look for a link, but I'll, I'll do that and we'll put it in the show notes and on Facebook as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people will be interested in this. Uh, supporting a fellow drifter, and it sounds good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Both. It's both. It's not, you, yeah. you don't have to be just supportive. You can also enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I mean. I mean, sometimes yeah. you're just, you know, showing up, but this, yeah, yeah, this sounds yeah. genuinely good, and uh, I really love the emails Andy sends in. So this is something else for which I am grateful to you both for giving me a platform to discover how best to employ my writing. From that base camp, I now have a book. When I'm feeling very alone with my MS, injecting myself three times a week just before bed, standing over the toilet at 3am, desperate to go but unable to go, finding it impossible to get back to sleep because as soon as I return to bed, MS spasms start to make my legs twitch uncontrollably, etc. The thought of people reading my story has really helped me stay strong. I fear this is in danger of lapsing into self-pity. I, don't, I, I, I wasn't feeling that danger. No, no, no. I don't want this podication to turn into our tune with Simon Bates. <laughs> oh, if only. <laughs> um, ultimately, the book is a statement of defiance, while the feedback I've had so far is that people are finding it genuinely funny, which is good, because that was one of the key aims. Anyway, I'll stop now because I'm a drifter, and what self-respecting drifter embraces selling himself? I don't mind if you want to take over, though, Annabelle. Best wishes, Andy. So yeah, you've, you've read it. That I mean, I've you've... read it, and it's yeah. it's it's really funny, like laugh out loud funny. And I think drifters will even from the first chapter will will see hit read some things like he goes to his all the things that have gone wrong at a car mechanics, for example. They'll be like, oh yep, yeah, done that, done that. So there's lots of things they can relate to. Um, but yeah, there's also the story of his MS as well, which is very moving. But but like he says, never self pitying. It's just very funny. It's brilliant. It's really good. Well, that's great. Balls to MS. I mean, I'll put a link in, but uh, I suspect if people Google Andy and Balls to MS, hopefully that is the first thing that will come up. Shall I, shall I try it? I'm, I'm sure if you type it into the Amazon search bar, it's the, it will come up straight away. Great. Then that's what I'm going to do. Andy, Reynard, Balls to MS. I'm scared of what I might say. Oh, no, look, there it is. You're right. First thing that comes up on Google, Annabelle. Oh, not great. just on Amazon. Great. In fact, it's it's pretty much all the first, uh, all of the, there it is, yeah. All of the, um, all of the, all of the first page of Google. So, um, so there we go. Um, that is uh, something for you to read and enjoy. And the latest edition of the podcast, podicated to the release of Balls to MS. If you would like a publication email us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Oh, yeah. 